good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I'm talking to you from the winter edition of the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic taking place in Kearney. I'll tell you some amazing heifers and, and bulls that we're seeing go through the show ring today. Having said that, it is a market that has had once again some interesting factors being put in. You know, yesterday we were talking about Russia and were they backing away from the Ukraine border and is that what was affecting the markets? Well, things have changed up again a little bit. We'll dive more into that. Uh, soybeans and the meal are leading the markets today. Is corn kind of following along with what's happening in the beans? Add to it, we'll talk about what's been happening in South America and a lot more. We bring to the phone line with me Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. And so, Arlen, you know, the, the talk of Russia possibly backing away sounds like the picture and, and the wordage might have changed a little bit in the overnight. Yeah, it's you know, it's not that long ago we were talking primarily about inflation and the impact that may have on our on our broader economy, how that might play into the commodity sector, what how the Federal Reserve might control it in South American weather. Those are the two big stories. And then the tensions really started to heat up with the troops uh, along the Ukrainian border and the expectations that we could see an invasion of Russia into Ukraine, and that that became the primary focus. Uh, those other issues of inflation and Federal Reserve and South American weather are still there, and we kind of went back to trading them somewhat today, but that just shows how significant the, the Russia-Ukraine issue is. If, in fact, we do have war break out there, it does have not only significant implications on global commodity trade, but it has significant uh, risk for destabilizing the world as a whole uh, beyond just Russia and Ukraine. And so that's one reason why the markets are paying so much attention to that. And as you said, on Tuesday, the reports were Russia said, hey, we're pulling back some troops from Crimea. And uh, we're willing to negotiate and have let uh, diplomacy have its t- time and and uh, see if we can't resolve these issues. Um, but now NATO officials and U.S. officials are saying that's not what's happening. They are not withdrawing troops. If anything, they're continuing to build troops, already have over 150,000 troops and tanks and equipment that is lined up around about 70% of Ukraine's border. They're continuing to set up like uh, uh, military field hospitals around the the border as well and other staging areas, strategic uh, military staging areas. So it looks like Russia is continuing to prepare for attack. Also, um, lawmakers in Russia passed a resolution on to Putin asking him to, um, what do I want to say, to give identification to um, rebel-held areas of Ukraine, eastern Ukraine, and declare them independent. And this is an old trick of the Putin administration to take an area, send in rebels into that area, have them take over some government buildings, uh, and say that they want to be a part of Russia and say they represent the people of that region, Russia declares that area independent then and says they need protection from our military, uh, protection from Ukraine or whatever host government was there previously, um, and that justifies then the troops to move in. So everything is still pointing toward aggressive action by Russia. So we're seeing money come back into the commodities. I should say that there's one other factor at play today, 
particularly in the uh, soy meal and soybean market. We had a, a fire at a Louis-Dreyfus Louis plant, uh, soybean processing and biodiesel plant at Claypool, Indiana, on Tuesday night, uh, and that's affecting operations there. So we've seen a, a double-digit gains in soy meal prices today, and that's helping boost soybeans. I've heard some unconfirmed reports they could be operational as early as tomorrow, so I don't see that as a long-term issue if, in fact, that is true. We don't have that confirmed. But I also see these markets going back now and trading some South America weather as combines are getting into southern parts of Brazil and into Paraguay now and really confirming the low production estimates that have been coming out of that region and the tightness of the supply coming out of South America. I want to kind of come back to that on the second half, Arlen, but did get a question from here at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic and is you look at the bigger picture of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. How is that, do you see, going to be a marketing factor and some worries for us here in the States when it comes to both grain and livestock? Uh, well, as you look at it, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of fertilizer that comes out of that area. So if we do have an outbreak that shuts down trade out of that region, it does further tighten the global fertilizer supply situation. And, and just like our grain markets, our world markets, fertilizer is as well, even though we produce majority of what we consume here in the United States, especially for nitrogen. So it does still affect us. Um, but from a wheat standpoint, Russia and Ukraine account for 29% of the world's exports. So that would dramatically tighten the supply of wheat that for wheat supplies here in the United States. On the corn side, Ukraine exports 16% of the world's corn exports. Uh, so that would further tighten those tight supplies as well. Uh, so that's a friendly factor. Uh, sunflower oil uh, comes a lot of it comes out of Ukraine that would increase demand for sun uh, for canola oil as well as for soybean oil so there's a lot of different factors even crude oil a lot of crude oil comes out of that area could raise energy prices as well so it's generally inflationary for the commodity sector as a whole particularly the acts but also the energies lots of things that we will continue to look at and I know that producer will be thankful for that explanation Arlen stick around folks when we come back we are going to take a look more in depth at what's happening in South America as we know as Arlen said the combines are starting to roll in parts of southern Brazil and that has confirmed some low yields weather wise is there some moisture moving back in and speaking of moisture what's going to happen here in the states more is coming up it's the Fontenelle final bell on the rural radio network here is another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids featuring another dealer for our network. We're going to visit with Terry Kachera from Bassett, Nebraska. And Terry, tell us a little bit about your dealership and working for Fontenelle. Well, Joe, I've been a dealer for Fontenelle since 1972. During my career as a seed dealer and farmer in Nebraska, I've seen a lot of change. As genetics and technology progress through the years and decades, Fontenelle has always been as progressive as any seed company that I've ever been around. Terry, any advice that you've learned through all these years of dealing with Fontenelle? I've always said uh, in farming, you're always going to make mistakes. You know, in most mistakes, you just can't help. You know, it's the weather or machine breakdown or pivot blows over or something like that. Uh, hybrid selection really isn't one that you should have to worry about. And Fontenelle always stands well, always yields well, and is fairly priced. That's Terry Kuchera from Bassett, Nebraska. To learn more about products or to become a dealer, just go to Fontenelle.com. E-M. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic taking place at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney. Arlen Suderman joins me this afternoon. He is with Stone X. And before we left for break, we were kind of talking Russia, Ukraine, South America. And I want to kind of loop back around Arlen to South America because you did mention, you know, the combines are definitely hitting the southern parts of Brazil. And no surprise, they're talking some low yield numbers. Yeah, they really are. And uh, we're seeing production losses of better than 50% in some areas of southern Brazil. That's having a big impact. Even though they had good yields further to the north, now we're getting into those lower yields. Uh, in fact, in Paraguay, which Paraguay normally exports quite a bit of soybeans down to Argentina, down the river, um, to be crushed. And they're actually importing some soybeans from Argentina now. Um, because it's so situation so tight, reversing the direction, and that means less soy meal and soy oil coming out of Argentina uh, overall. And just an indication how tough things are. Uh, we kind of kick things off at the first of February with our production estimate at 126.5 million metric tons of soybeans uh, for Brazil. That was down from 145 million metric tons two months ago. Uh, others have come in at a very similar levels, and now we've, there's actually been a private estimate down as low as 122 million metric tons. We will be surveying our customers again around the 1st of March, um, so we haven't started to do that. I would anticipate, based on what we're seeing, that we'll probably um, see the survey, the March 1 survey, drop production a little bit more, um, but probably not as low as 122 million metric tons. But when you add that all up with what's been lost in Paraguay, Uruguay, and now is apparently being lost in Argentina as well, we're talking over 1.1 billion bushels of soybeans that have been lost. And that's a real game changer for the global balance sheet. Um, and uh, that, that's what the market's trying to figure out right now. So far, as so we look at soybeans uh, in Brazil, we have seen generally a reluctance of farmers to sell. That has raised basis levels. We're seeing very, very profitable crush margins in Brazil right now due to demand for oil and for meal. And so the crushers are battling with exporters for those supplies. But there's been just enough farmers selling in the last couple of days that basis is softening a little bit. And Brazilian beans are still priced under U.S. beans for the next couple of months. We start to get competitive into May and June, but they do have a freight advantage. I anticipate that we'll probably see uh, Brazil priced out of the market and U.S. beans be the predominant supply again at some point as we get into July and August if these the low production estimates are, valid, are verified. You look at the weather and obviously they're going to continue to have some weather issues in South America, but will the attention suddenly start to switch from their weather to what we're seeing here in, in the States, especially when you see some of those latest reports about how extremely dry it is in the Plains? 
Yeah, I think that starts happening as we turn the calendar into March, uh, and we'll start seeing some of the Plain States start releasing weekly crop ratings uh, for the winter wheat crop, and I think that'll highlight it. There are some models that are starting to show some hints that we could see a change in the upper air pattern that might bring rains to the Plains during that time. I don't know if that's going to happen. Confidence is low when we look at this type of La Nina year. The general pattern tends to prolong that drought right on through the spring. So there's a lot at stake, and over the next two weeks, I think, will be a critical time to see if we can get a shift in that pattern. But forecasters are calling for an increase in moisture for the eastern Midwest. So it could be a wet spring for the eastern Midwest dry along the south and maybe up into the central and northern plains. We'll have to watch and see how that unfolds. That's where the primary question marks are, the central and northern plains, and whether we'll get some moisture in that area to give some relief from the drought. Switch gears and then look at the livestock side. Obviously, that's got to have an effect on this catalyst. We see more uh, heifers and cows coming to market because it's so dry. In the inventory report that there had been a, a larger culling than expected in the cow herd, and we're seeing that continue. In fact, if anything, maybe it's increasing a little bit with the number of cows that are going in the slaughter and the lack of heifers being held back. So we're continuing to contract the herd. The drought is a part of it. The feeding margins is another part of just the lack of returns. Um, and it's all coming to come together to shrink the size of the herd. And unfortunately, what that means is we're going to have to import more meat into the United States to meet consumer demands in the year ahead because we're not adequately supporting our cowmen. Having said that, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101, and you can interact with me there. All right. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell as we broadcast on the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic. As always, reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.